Hello and welcome to the second episode of McMaster's Communications Governance Observatory podcast. My name is Samantha Naidu and today we will be exploring the topic of smart cities. To speak more on this, we have invited Dr. Tracy Lorio, a leading researcher and expert in the field of smart cities, as well as an assistant professor of critical media studies and big data from Carleton University. So, Dr. Lorio, to begin, could you provide a brief overview of what exactly a smart city is? Most smart cities, uh, or as it's commonly defined, would be called a form of, of data and networked urbanism. And by that I mean where uh, public administrators uh, and elected officials uh, acquire and deploy a variety of sensors and technologies and benchmarks and indicators and dashboards and control rooms to monitor, uh, control, and manage uh, a city in an efficient, sustainable, and economic way. Which in and of itself, and, and often actually, and often the focus is on innovation, which all in and of itself is not so much a problem, except that a very uh, technologically solutionist approach to urban and networked forms of smart city urbanism means that you may miss out on capturing um, more subtle and much more complex urban issues such as homelessness or poverty or income inequality or gender dimensions and so on. And so in my case, what I would argue is I would argue that we don't necessarily need smart cities. What we need is more open smart cities and a more open smart city would be, yes, there would be, of course, data and network types of technologies but the focus would not just be on innovation and transparency. It would be about making cities better places to live for everyone and an open smart city that is ethical, transparent, accountable, fair and just with the objective of having a, a more livable, more sustainable and more creative and more integrated and common type of city for all people. Oh, so would you say the foundation of a smart city isn't pushing the technological aspect, more so examining the population and then serving their needs? Exactly. So what's a good city, right? So the preconditions of a good city would be, well, there's enough green space, that there's some walkability, that the that you know, that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of water features, that you can cycle, that it's safe that women can go out at night and not be concerned, that there isn't extreme inequality, maybe there's no homelessness. Like, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can think of what a good city is. There's lots of culture, uh, it's multicultural, uh, It's maybe, demo, maybe democracy is a character. There's all kinds of, of qualities that we might attribute to a really good city. The issue is, you know, is a really good livable city a smart city in and of itself? Uh, and if there are things that could be improved or that could be made better, then is technology required or if not technology is something else required, like may maybe better public engagement. All of those things could make it a smart city. 
So is that the kind of mindset we should be approaching smart cities with? Exactly. So it's this kind of thinking that I would argue is more attuned to the concept of an open smart city as opposed to the current smart cities that we have right now. And I use the term a couple of times of technological solutionism. And the idea of technological solutionism is the idea that you can put technology towards any problem and resolve it that way without considering that maybe technology could cause other problems. And so what you're going to see is all those components all the time when you look at the you know urban networked versions of smart cities. You'll always see those components, but you'll see very little about community integration, about equality, about removing bias, et cetera, et cetera. You'll hear very little about those things. You'll hear very little about ethics. You'll hear very little about transparency. You'll hear very little about open source. Uh, you will hear very little about open data. You will hear a lot about sensors and technology and the Internet of Things, and you'll hear things about smart meters and interconnectivity, but you will not hear about surveillance. You will not hear about technological creep, and you will not hear about what happens with the integration of all those data in terms of privacy and security, and you will certainly rarely hear conversations about data sovereignty. So, for example, let's say the context of Sidewalk Labs for Sidewalk Labs, what you will hear is, yes, it's going to be great. We're going to integrate things. It's going to be a more vibrant and interconnected community for all. Yet, it is Sidewalk Labs, a subsidiary of Alphabet Inc., which is a Google holding company based in the United States, will know more about the citizens and the residents of Waterfront Toronto. And they will have not only know everything, they will have a 360-degree view of each individual's daily life within their homes and as they move through the community and as an aggregate. So what does that mean for national sovereignty when a country outside of your border knows more about your people than you do? So are smart cities really smart? It depends how he's looking at it, right? So if you and I talk about smart cities, we've just discovered that, sure, you know, Waterfront Toronto and Sidewalk Labs sounds like a really cool and interesting smart city, which it is in many respects, but it's also a surveillance city. So building off of what you just said, I do think privacy is a common concern that crops up when smart cities are discussed. So I was wondering how you think privacy issues may manifest in a smart city. Canadians have an expectation of privacy, right? And we have an expectation that we're not going to be snooped on and that our every move is not going to be captured on a camera, and that we will not have to give our biometric data away to everybody who asks it, and that we have a degree of anonymity in our homes and when we're moving around the city. But if this data were to be collected, what do you think would be the result? All of these kinds of data, when you bring them all together can paint uh, or leave behind a very informative data shadow about you, right? And that shadow is very hard to shake in the sense that once all of those data are captured, they can be brought together and people can infer all kinds of things about you based on the, the data trail that you've left behind. And the question is, is that what we want? Do you think it's a question of want or do you think it's inevitable? 
Is it inevitable? No, it's not inevitable. It's only inevitable if we let it. Right. If we let if we let all of these things come together and get integrated, then there's a very significant uh, privacy problem. And the expectation of privacy and anonymity that is really inherent about being human. Right. I'm not I don't know you very well. I've never met you. I'm not going to share my most intimate secrets with you. And for your data to be collected, would there be a consent component? And that's, that's the magic question, right? By living in a city, do you consent to be monitored in a city? First of all, what is the notion of consent? So by, by having electricity in my home, do I consent to third-party resale of my data? Not necessarily. I want electricity. I need to be warm. Do I want to, let's say, monitor my consumption so maybe, you know, I use electricity at off-peak hours and it's cheaper? Sure. Sure, maybe I want to know that. But that doesn't mean that I want to share that with everybody. The same goes is true with all of the other scenarios of walking around the city, living in a building, and so on. So what is the issue of consent? But also, another question might be, what is the issue of governance? Who is your governor? Who's your city councillor? And who's your mayor if IBM Smart City is what's running your city? Do you still need a mayor? Do you still need a city councillor? Everything's supposed to run efficiently with all the machines and the devices and the sensors. So I think issues of governance need to be brought into question. Uh, issues of decision making uh, with artificial intelligence and machine learning in the smart city needs to be discussed. The integration of data between institutions needs to be discussed, right, between the police, traffic, uh, city councilors, census, whatever, your Fitbit. All of these things need to be discussed. And we are not discussing them. I guess building off of that, do you think a good first step for moving towards these discussions would be for the general public to educate themselves about smart cities? For the general public? Absolutely. The public needs to know that what a smart city is and what an open smart city is and what the perils of an unchecked, you know, industry-driven technologically solutionist version is and what that looks like and what a more open, engaged, participatory, transparent, ethical and values based smart city might look like. And then citizens actually need to be engaged in the process of steering the course of where they want the technologies that are going to be embedded in their cities will be and what they should be and where they should go and when they should be integrated and when they should not be. So in other words, we have a lot of learning to do. But it's not just citizens and residents that have to do that learning. as our elected officials do and our, pu- and our public administrators need to because they're not any better than anybody else. No, for sure. And those are all the questions that I had for you for today unless you have a final closing comment to maybe sum everything up. I think basically that it's possible to have an open smart city. I think it's possible to have more values and principles in guiding our technological trajectories. And I think it's really up to us to figure what that unique combination is so that we can make our cities better and more livable places to be for everyone who lives in that city. 
Thank you, Dr. Lorio, for participating in this interview. It was extremely educational. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the CGO podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes or find out about more news, you can find us at cgo.mcmaster.ca. See you then. Mm-hmm.